This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Emmanuel and the Art of Ecstasy. That is the film we've just watched. And yet, not a single bloody upper. So, not one. Not one upper. So, hmm, you be the judge. Hmm. Hi, everyone. Welcome along to the worst idea of all time. Maybe they shelved one and we didn't see. Yeah, but... We did see a lot of butts in this movie. A lot of naked butts. Yeah. A lot of butts and boobs. Butts and boobs were the stars of the show. This series should be called... Emmanuel Butts and Boobs. Emmanuel Butts and Boobs. And then, so it's Emmanuel as the title of the franchise. We've got a subtitle, which is Butts and Boobs. And then the uh, final part denotes which one in that sequence of the greater Emmanuel franchise we're dealing with, The Art of Ecstasy. Emmanuel Butts and Boobs, The Art of Ecstasy. The art of uh, linear storytelling. The art the of... The art of keeping it simple. The art of establishing some characters at the start not overloading the picture with different things going on, having barriers to what these people want, their motivations, and letting it play out in 90 minutes. Yeah, man. Call me a um, call me a rubber ball because I'm bouncing back after last week. I was bored, but I was not angry. <laughs> I was... What more, what more do you want out of an Emmanuel butts and boobs? At this point, I could not ask for much more than what I was given. Perhaps... A boner? <laughs> True. This movie was perhaps the single greatest Emmanuel we've seen this side of the 1980s. Yeah. It's um, the story of an artist, a, a, a man who we believe to be famous for his charcoal etchings of the nude, nubile female form. The funny thing is they keep showing you the art and it's not very good. Yeah, and he is about to have a big exhibition. His name's Alex, by the way. We're following Alex's plight. He's amassing a huge amount of materials for an exhibition and in Los Angeles. he keeps having wet dreams, despite the fact that he's 30-something. Tim, wet dreams don't stop when puberty finishes. 
I've had a wet dream in the last year. Okay. People probably don't want to know that. No, I didn't. Other people's wet dreams are abstract, but when it's us, they're real. Anyway, I'm just sticking up for anyone out there who's had a wet dream as an adult. (laughs) Okay. We are underrepresented in the community. Basically, Alex has been doing a lot of paintings and at one point, not uh, etchings. And at one point during one of his etchings, his model, this is how the movie starts, starts masturbating. Oh, yeah, that's right. And Alex does this painting and he's like, God damn. All of the paintings I've done before this painting, I'm going to keep calling them paintings even though they're not, are garbage. To, you know, what I really like is that I painted this while someone was coming. I can't put this exhibition up because the art's not good enough. So and that he throws he throws all his pictures in a pool. Yeah, and his, mani- water. his manager, Dana, comes over and says, what the fuck? You fucking idiot. Now, here's the thing. You dumb fuck. Dana is a sexual creature, but we don't know this because she's wearing glasses at the time Yeah, when she first appears on screen. So when she comes on screen, you're like, who is this nerd? Yeah. Get this. Get this. Who's this brunette bespeckled nerd? Yeah, yeah. Get this bookworm off my screen. Who's this librarian I want to see butts type? and boobs. I came here for what was on the tin, and what was on the tin was Emmanuel butts and boobs. And now I'm looking at a woman in a in a business and now suit. I've, I've got some working professional doing a job, telling uh, me that she's uh, she's been running the books and things don't look so good if this exhibition doesn't go ahead. Get the fuck out of here, Dana. That's right. Get the fuck out because you don't have twenty twenty vision. We don't have any patience for you. You smart mother. I keep wanting to call her dumb, but she's not dumb. I mean, the whole thing that we have against her is that she's too smart. She belongs in a different. This isn't a Mensa meeting. This is a porno. All right. I can't get off to your IQ. I can get off yeah, yeah. Why to your butts and boobs. You go back to the laboratory, Marie Curry. <laughs> yeah. Inventor hey. of the microwave. Yeah, nice man. Shout out to Marie Curry. Yeah, she died of cancer, somewhat predictably. Oh, really? From yeah. all of the figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I think she figured it out because she had a chalky bar in her pocket, and when she was in the room doing all the experiments, it melted, and she was like, "Wow, wait, what a thing!" You think that, or that's true? <laughs> they both could be correct statements. <laughs> Okay, well, that doesn't clarify it at all. Which Someone I, had a chalky bar in their pocket. I don't know. Maybe it was their husband. Yeah, but I've had a chalky bar in my pocket and it's melted and I've not been near a microwave. Um, that's a good point. Have you ever melted a chalky bar down and then you put it in the freezer and then it, it uh, solidifies again and the shape's all different? Yep, I've done it with a picnic. And I tell you what, it used to look like a poo a little bit. <laughs> and then it really, really looks like a poo when you do that. I'll freaking bet. So basically, he says, I don't like my art anymore. I want to capture ecstasy. And Dana, the bespectacled nerdy manager, says, do you know who's really good for that? My dear friend, Emmanuel, who's been living in Brazil, researching sex and sexuality. I'm going to bring her out to LA, and she's going to be your coach. She's going to help you paint an orgasm. And the whole plot of the movie is basically, this guy wants to figure out how to draw an orgasm. And he also has to figure out that just because a woman's wearing glasses doesn't mean she can't be beautiful and you can't be in love with her. We've also got to figure out an origin myth from Brazil. 
yeah. in which they used the same exact footage that we had in the last movie, but now we have a different myth. And it rules because it makes sense. In the last movie, it was just like cut. Like what shat me in the. That's not how you say it, but what shat me in the last movie was like they kept cutting away to this footage of these festivals in Brazil or like all this other shit, and they didn't have it any context around it you are lying to yourself and our audience they explained that it was two guys you weren't listening you were on your fucking phone when they were explaining this go ahead tell me what they were doing they explained that there were two gods one was male and one was female so it represented the masculine and feminine in all of us and um i think they were like the original they- it was adam and eve kind of thing and they had to do battle with all of these monsters why were they putting why were they explaining that in the context of the movie why did they do it this time? I don't know, man. Because Emmanuel is teaching it was, this. Oh, wait. Because like, the, the feminine was, um, it had something to do with sexuality. It represented something. I even this, talked about this in the podcast. I can't remember what I said, though. This movie worked because the, the movie worked because everything had a reason for existing here. The film worked because for some reason they decided to leave in things that made sense and were relevant and, and leave out things, things that, that weren't. Yeah, and extraneous characters. Which is a fucking bold concept for Emmanuel Butts You need boobs. three characters. Tortured artist, Butts, intolerable boobs. nerd, and Emmanuel. So we have Frodo Baggins in the form of Alex, the artist, a young adventurer who must sacrifice something, go on a journey, and return home greater than when he left with a learning, stronger as an individual. We must have a sage Gandalf character, which in this form comes to us in the form of a broken English-spoken, constantly naked Emmanuel, portrayed by Natasha Veneer. We must also have... A best friend who helps on the journey. In the case of The Hobbit, it was Samwise, I think his name is. Samwise Gamgee. Have you been eavesdropping Samwise Gamgee? And in this... I didn't drop no eaves. It was Dana, who is his manager. The bespectacle number-crunching manager. So you see, in a lot of ways, this movie was a simple retelling of The Hobbit, which itself was an extended universe version of a retelling of the Bible. Yeah. So it all comes back to Jeebus. And what do we make of that? I say, yes, brother. More porn based on biblical figures. I want to see Moses parting the legs. I want to see burning bush, but the bush is a woman's bush. (laughs) I want to see King Herod getting his rocks off. That's right. Guy Montgomery and Tim Bader recreating Jesus Christ Superstar, (laughs) but it's all porn. I love it. A stage show. Andrew Lloyd Webber has never been so titillating before. Yeah. Judas Iscariot's betrayal in our telling of Jesus Christ Superstar. He fucks Mary. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a betrayal of someone's life. It's a sexual and emotional betrayal. Mm, It's a betrayal of relationship barriers. And guess what? You know how you've always wanted to see the apostles fuck each other? (laughs) (laughs) Every time I see that goddamn Last Supper, I'm like, when are you guys going to pull back the veil and just let it all go? Let it all hang out. We'll tell you when. Right fucking now. That frame. Bartholomew and Peter, end to end. Cocks and mouth, balls akimbo. (laughs) Balls Kimbo. I love it. I love everything about it. I'd like to see Noah's Ark, but the flood he has to survive is a torrent of pussy juice. Oh, and they're coming two by two. You got that right. 
because they're having sex with each other. Two completion. <laughs> what, this, other, what other biblical references do we know? This season of the podcast is ruining us. What's the story of Cain and Abel? Um, was one of them challenged? God, God wants to. Oh God! Uh, God wants to test Cain. Cain. Um, so he keeps sending him yeah. trials and tribulations. So, yeah, so Abel, and then he's like, Abel hey, gets hey, to- he's like, God's like, hey, you know what you should do? Murder your son. That's right. And then he goes, okay, <laughs> like, God. Fuck, all right. And then when he right, goes right. to do it. <laughs> God's like, oh, my God, I was kidding, I was kidding, I was kidding. It was a fucking joke, you psycho. That's what it says yeah. in the Bible. Okay. So, but then there's another cool story that's kind of like that, which has a better moral, I think. That's Old Testament. I can I just say, I just want to repurpose Cain and Abel for porn. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Basically, Cain and Abel. Yeah. They're both gymnasts. Okay. Uh, I think Cain is getting really into tantric and edging stuff and is never allowed to come. And God's like, you're allowed to come, but to do it, you must fuck your son. <laughs> and Cain's like, okay. And then God's like, no, 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 Gross. King Solomon. You know that story? No. There were two women who lay claim to a baby. It doesn't make sense saying it out loud because you definitely know which one it was. No, it's hard to tell sometimes. There's a mix-up of the hospital. There's a mix-up of the hospital and two women lay claim to a child. Mm, maybe this isn't what it was. I think that's what, let's say that's what it was. And so they come to King Solomon. They're like, we can't figure it out. This baby someone's. And he says, all right, I don't know how to settle this. I'll cut the baby in half and you both get a half. <laughs> okay. Maybe we'll leave that one. Uh, <laughs> no, but he doesn't do it. Because oh. I think one of them's like, well, that obviously doesn't really work out for anyone involved. Even so. Or maybe they get distracted when they're arguing. They both get hit up and they have sex. That they really lost steam on the last one. Well, no. I just wondered, when did our podcast become so grotesque? Excuse me. This is, in a way, a comedy podcast. And yes. in a way, a film review podcast. Yeah. We're allowed to have a few japes, a few laughs. Ah. Bit of banter. I'm not against the, the boys. Japes. I love the japes. I'm draped in japes. <laughs> Guy has cocooned himself. That's in a good jokery. Yeah, yeah. it's Tom a Fulgery. good a good business is um, jape drapes and it's curtains with uh, knock knock jokes printed all over them. That's good. Would you like that? Yeah, it'd be good in the shower. I think shower curtains with knock knock jokes on them because you got a little bit of time, you know, while you're washing your hair. I remember uh, when I was living in in Toronto. That's how they say it. Yeah, I feel like you missed a syllable and a half out of that word. No, that's how they say it. Okay. Uh, I I I got to buy a shower curtain. Congrats, bro! Yeah, I'm so sorry. I never congratulated you on that. Dude, That's fucking awesome. I've tried to be telling you this for so long. Well done, you. Yeah. Nice to finally have a fucking platform for you to have to listen, because everyone will know how rude you are if I started my big shower curtain purchase story and you said I, I don't want to hear about it. And I know that's something you'd never do. No, that's what I've been doing for the last eight years, but I haven't had a microphone in front of me to call me out on my outlandish behavior. So I don't know why I'm it. telling the story. I, I I remember I bought a curtain. Yeah, I bought a shower curtain and um, it had frogs on it. That's the story. Were they um, PP frogs? No. Nah, the original. No, nah, they Incel were. 4chan. No, they were like ca- they King. Were cartoonish frogs, but not in the style of Pepe. Good for you. Yeah, but in my head, a cool shower curtain would be the whole, uh, glo- like a map of the world. 
Yeah. Yes, that's a great idea. I'm bad at um, geography. Are you? Really bad. Yeah, I've got quite a... I've, I don't think I've got a particularly good brain for spatial stuff. Is that? Do you think that uh, you telling yourself that is part of why you don't have a good brain for that stuff? Yeah, that's why midway through that sentence I tempered that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was going to say I was bad at it, but you shouldn't say that because then you just bring it into fruition. But I'd like to get a world map and a New Zealand map and put them maybe up in this very room so that I could stare at them. I had, a, I had a really good acid trip once in someone's lounge where the entire wall was a world map, and we there was about four or five of us. I didn't know everyone, especially when we just sat there, mm-hmm. and it was the map was the conversational background. That's that's that rules. Yeah, it was really nice. I'd love to paint a wall that's just a world atlas, but it's one of those things that I feel like it could be tacky. Yeah, which I'm never that afraid of, but um, well, Zoe's got very good taste, which is an unfortunate uh, property of her character. And you, your introduction of ideas jeopardizes her good taste. Is that what you're telling me? I do not have good taste. I wouldn't describe my taste as good. How would you describe your taste? Eclectic. <laughs> is eclectic a euphemism for bad? <laughs> Scattered. I like this room. I can see myself. I can see myself in this room, Guy said as he looked over his shoulder at a poster literally featuring himself. Yeah. It was a poster for a show called The Best Host Full Time. And uh, I won. You sure did. You're the best host of this podcast. What else did this um, this uh, movie have in it? Uh, we were back. We were back in Brazil, sort of, but for no particular reason. I can't even. The now reason. Tease the out reason which that we bit. spent time in Brazil is that Emmanuel had been. I mean, I often, I actually often wondered while we watched this if this was the first in this Emmanuel in Paradise franchise because it's not what it's called. What's the franchise called? Private collection. Oh yeah, the Emmanuel think. private collection because she is. She it sort of grounds this like it all made so much sense, and she's been living in Brazil, doing her research, trying to learn about the boobs history of indigenous boobs and butts in Brazil, and then she's called a call to action. She's brought back to America to share her learnings. It just all of it made sense. So every time we were in Brazil, we were we were there through Emmanuel's retelling of experiences she'd accrued or information she'd learned while she was living in Brazil. So every time we were in Brazil, it was because Emmanuel was talking in, in voiceover and a flashback. Mm-hmm. And like that worked in a way with a level of clarity and sense that they've struggled, you know, to introduce in any of the other Emmanuel Maybe the collections. Frosty Fellas, a.k.a. Guy Montgomery and Tim Bat, love a flashback. Maybe it's our... I don't love a... Fl- I just like it when the movie makes sense. But I'm a simple man, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We all like it when it makes sense, ideally. But you know what I really like? What do you really like? A flashback, a retelling. A flashback. George Lazenby on a plane describing mm. to... What's her name again? Christal, Sylvia Cristal? Yeah. What about this? Why don't I flash you back to the Bible, the story of the Good Samaritan? There's a person on the side of the road who cannot come. Several people walk past them and they say, I'm sorry, I can't help you come. Finally, a Good Samaritan comes along and goes, I can help you come. And they help them come. That's a flashback. Is that... (laughs) I don't think that story delivered on any part of the premise. The, The Good Samaritan. Flashback, Bible story... Yeah. You're telling me there's a tale in the Bible where someone's on the side of the road and they can't Unable come. Unable to come. Uh, 
that is not how it's written in the Bible. That's how you've interpreted that's the how, reading. Given the our stage show that we're putting on, that's how I've chosen to interpret the scripture. Jesus Christ. What should the second part of that be for the title of the show? Fuck Machine? <laughs> yeah. Joseph JC in the Technicolored FM. glory coat. He's got a coat. It's got 15 holes in it. He's he's either got 15 cocks or he can receive 15 cocks. Oh, true. Creative. Very creative. Do you want to make this an amalgamation of a couple of Andrew Lloyd Webber's shows and then sex realized? Cats! Meow! <laughs> I think they're not the focal point of any of it. No. But I do think in the background of every scene, there are cats. Rumping and thumping. Tugging and hugging. Slurping and sucking. Why don't you try anal? Why don't you try fucking <laughs> me in my poo hole? <laughs> Who's that? Gone what song's far. that? Uh, it's a song that Mary Magdalene sings in JC. I was in Jesus Christ Superstar. Who were you? Come on, guy. I was maybe one of the apostles, the mm-hmm. disciples. How old were you when you were in this show? Hello, everyone. If you've just tuned in, this is Fresh Air with Terry Gross. I'm joined by New Zealand comedian, podcaster, stage performer, improviser, writer, director, visionary, Guy Montgomery. I was 11, Terry. 11 years old. Yeah. What's it like to be in a show at 11? And do you know what? I don't want to. I don't want to blow up your biscuit if that's a turn of phrase I can invent on the fly. But that does speak volumes about the particular education you received that your school could afford the rights to Jesus Christ Superstar when mm. you were 11. Yeah. That shit's it, stoop. Yeah. Well, that's what the school was. And they, they put it on and it was fine. Was it a good show, do you think? It, I guess it's hard to tease out if you're in it and 11 yeah. at the time. Uh, what about it, one of your world-famous flashbacks? Yeah. Uh so in this version of Jesus Christ Superstar, all of the characters are either prepubescent or knocking on the door of puberty. And so uh, it's it's sort of interesting to watch. I don't think it's good, but I think it's sort of fascinating. I think you can see some kids with genuine talent. Hmm. My good friend Oscar had a star turn as King Herod, sort of an, an Elvis-style King Herod. That rose. Yeah, it was brilliant. I was younger than 11. Were you? Yeah. How's that song go, the King Herod song? So you were the Christ. Yes, the great Jesus Christ. Christ. Prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. Great they, character. Yeah. Saw Madeline Sami play that character. Oh, and yeah. The, um, the I think it was an Auckland Theatre yeah, yeah. Company production of it a few years ago, and she absolutely rocked the house. Do you know what else I'll say? Natasha Veneer turned in one of her all-time performances in, as Emmanuel in the, in the, on the silver screen today. You're correct in that assessment. She's getting better at her command of the English language, and she's able to emote in a more believable way, I feel. She's relating to these characters on screen in a truthful way. Yeah. The guy, the, and also she was the strong- And we got to see her tits. <laughs> Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, 
and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I I I feel like since the Ben McGugan turn, yeah. I do I feel like we're um we're being fast and filthy. And the trouble is, the job of this podcast, the the prism we've constructed for ourselves, is we are here to review these Emmanuel films. But to take these things seriously is, um, I would call it a fool's errand. Because mm. I don't think anyone really did, even in the production of them, much less in the consumption of them. And so when we start going down the path of being earnest in our description and critique of these films, I have to cut through it with something well, it's, boorish that's when I, and awful. It's also when you lose your mind because you're like, why am I lending this What's weight to this here? franchise? I, it, it, Production-wise, it was in, it's interesting to think all of these, uh, the private collection of manuals were filmed, I feel like, simultaneously, which is why they're recycling a lot of the same footage. You they're wanna, always at the same setting yes, with the pool. Well, wait, so do you want to sound off a little bit? What shared footage did we have this time and last? My shining light from uh, <laughs> last week's atrocity of an episode, which was a person being eaten by a giant green monster at a festival in Brazil, uh, footage of Emmanuel leaving the house down the driveway in a cowboy hat while carrying two suitcases. Really cool kind of timeless footage. Yeah. Um, so timeless, in fact, they used the exact sequences in both last film and this film. Yeah. Uh, and just also general footage of the Brazilian festival. And also we used the same hectic uh, camera tricks of shooting one conversation once with a camera person who would just mm. randomly pan as quickly as they could between the two characters. And that was actually, that scene was the highlight of today's screening. A shining light, if you will. Uh, Dana, Emmanuel's old and dear friend, the nerdy manager uh, slash eventual love interest of our artist, is waiting at a restaurant. I use oh, fuck. the word was restaurant so loosely. I'd put it in inverted commas. And she's sitting at a table, which is very clearly next to the pool, which has just been a, a, a personal pool. Oh, come on. I've been to a restaurant that had this kind of vibe to it. You're outside and it's surrounded by greenery and stuff. It's it's a nice look. You have a table outdoors. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, and I, I shouldn't be uh, 
breaking my momentum or taking anything away from the brilliant scene. So she's sitting there and uh, Emmanuel eventually arrives and they're meeting to have lunch and um, the waiter comes up and he hasn't seen Emmanuel and he says to this woman who we don't know how long she's been waiting at the restaurant. No, 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 it's the inverse. Emmanuel's the one who's been waiting there. Dana comes yes, late. Yes, I apologize. You're exactly correct. And he, he, Emmanuel's waiting there. Dana comes and sits down and he hasn't noticed that No, Dana. no, no. He comes up before then. I think you're on your phone at this point. I was not on my phone at this point. He doesn't come up before <laughs> yes, then. He, yes, he does. He comes up to Emmanuel before anyone is there. And uh, he says, can I get you, can I, or do you want to order? Something like that. And she's, she like orders the drink again. And she apologizes. She says, I'm sorry, I'm waiting for my friend to arrive. That's the first instance. And of what does he say in. to that? Uh, he goes away and gets it. But he says something begrudge. I think maybe we were ha- we were having a bit of a tete-a-tete I see. at the time, which is why maybe it was missed. But anyway, basically, the next time he comes back, he is furious that she hasn't figured out her food order. He's yeah. like, if you don't order now, <laughs> you have to leave. <laughs> it's restaurant policy is what he says. Yeah, it's restaurant policy. And you then have he, to leave. He says that Dana's there. <laughs> And she's like, I'm with her. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm terribly sorry. So sorry, miss. Please. Not uh, realize that she was yeah, with you. Take as long as you need. I'll be working until five. <laughs> <laughs> so he's gone from kicking them out to giving them a five-hour window to order maybe just one more drink. Yep. Could be. Could well be. Did a bad job of retelling it. But uh, in the moment and in the room, that was a great scene. Yeah. Um. Two shining lights from you, and for me, I will select one of the final sequences of the film where Emmanuel, just careful with that because it's a touch screen, so you might stop the recording. Oh. Yeah, that does stuff. I was dusting. Yeah, you were. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> there's a bit at the end where it's almost like, and I haven't seen this particular Christopher Nolan movie before, but I don't know, it feels Tenant. like it had this vibe. No, Memento. Where like all the pieces come together at the end, uh, yeah. and so Alex has been making these charcoal etchings, this guy um, so aptly described, throughout the film of the naked female form, and he just cannot get to the crux of the visualization of a female orgasm. Try though he may, and what Emmanuel does after really heavily sabotaging what is quite clearly a burgeoning romantic relationship between Alex and Dana. Um, she she gets them together eventually, which is all well and good. And then she disappears up to the studio loft and starts putting together the pieces he's made in a collage to form an image which in totality is, is like if you put all the little bits to get all the best bits of these etchings together, it makes the drawing of Dana the object of Alex's affection. However, the final image sucks shit. Is ghoulish and, and terrifying. Looks like, you know, that image that was really famous, I think it was about 2010, where. There is a Renaissance painting of Christ, and someone accidentally like cleaned it with turps and then tried to repair it and totally fucked it up. It's very much it that like aesthetic. That. But yeah, did Mister Bean do that as well in the Bean Disaster movie? That sounds right. With yeah, Whistler's mother or something. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Didn't he? He punched it, eh, or something. I remember he smudged it. He smudged the face. Mm. Anyhow, anyhow, we don't talk about Rowan Atkinson. Yellow. Dumpty-doo! Can I come in? 
Oh, man. I am really on the fence about this. Please. Uh, I've got my clipboard. Fuck, all right. And I've changed my voice. <laughs> Let's let him in. He sounds fun. <laughs> come in, sir. Come in, come in, come Boner in. Boner Inspector. Yes, it is. How are you, Boner Inspector? Feeling much better. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear it. We set you out for an episode, mate. Yes, I've used the last two weeks to take a long, hard look at myself. Well, that's good. Have you learned anything? Have you gained any personal insights? Well, I hired a voice coach. Oh, I see. To try and sound a little less abrasive. And how do you think it's gone? Well, not great. I have no control over how I sound. Oh, God. So you've... um. You're like a sponge. You've taken the lessons and really... I guess you could say I'm having an identity crisis. Yeah. Are you... Is the inner turmoil, you know, being represented by this phonic chaos that we're privy to? Well, there's a physical manifestation for my identity crisis. What's that? I've had a boner the last two weeks, but it points towards the ground. You've got a downward-facing boner, and you are yourself the boner inspector. What happens when the police are the ones who need to police the police? I have to stand on a mirror to look at the top of my boner. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Do you know what, boner inspector? I'm going to ask you to leave, and I'm going to see you next week. There's no ban or anything. But I'm going to ask you to go. You don't feel safe? Uh, it's not that. It's not necessarily a question of safety. It's just we're trying to create a, something of a vibe here. And I, I don't know about you, man. I feel like you got some stuff to work out. In fact, you know what? Maybe I'll have a chat to you off mic. How about that? Thank you. Okay. Take care, buddy. Yeah. Goodbye for now. Far out. He did not look good. <laughs> he did not look good <laughs> at all. He was wearing a business shirt, but he'd ripped the sleeves off like a cut cut off shirt. That was stressful. Never that a was good sign. Really stressful. <laughs> I worry about that guy. Yeah, I feel like he used to have a much clearer purpose, and now he's just <laughs> he's just been plunged into total crisis. Man, and I can't help but feel personally responsible for it because sometimes all it takes is the smallest, you know, knock off your regular routine, and the wheels really come off the wagon. You know what? What? I think you were pretty generous with him just now. Oh, that's good. And I, I think it's um I think he's gonna be okay. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm glad you think that. Hopefully you're right. Um Raw was back soundtracking this film. That's correct. The best named uh composer. It felt for like porno a ever. softer soundtrack. Uh it, it worked. Like eh. Didn't work for any of the Brazil bits for me. No, no, the scoring there was very poor. It's very easy to score Brazil, and I like without getting <laughs> into stereotypical I give tropes. It Ten. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> um, it's very easy to soundtrack scenes in a film that are Brazil if you don't want to try very hard. It's got to be quite energetic. You know, that kind of Afro-Latin beat is the... 
the yeah, standard he beer. Sort of had, he sort of had, and I love it so much. It's always a joy to hear. But they didn't have any of those kind of cool percussive elements you would associate. He with. was just ripping straight from 2006 Garage Band's back catalogue. But not the good parts. There are, you know, like get a fucking you know easy salsa beat mm. if you want. But it was sad. It was kind of like it was slow, somber piano music. I for yeah. Brazil. I want to be happy in Brazil. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like maybe the soundtrack because the first, the whole first part of the movie, there was no dialogue, and it was so clear what was happening. And it the rocks. score kind of complemented it. It was the artist painting uh, a, a, a model who started masturbating, and it's sort of like it was about five to ten minutes of just no dialogue. They're just like, "Hey, we trust you. We don't need to fucking." give you exposition we don't need to explain exactly what's happening you can follow what's happening here this guy is painting a model and the model's getting excited and now he's getting excited and it was such a it was such a relief to start the movie you know with your head in the game like as soon as they start introducing convoluted plots yes i sort of like find i get really frustrated and i find it hard and it made such a big difference and the music was part of that too it was just a, it was a lovely time mm. there's something to be said for keeping your dialogue to a minimum in a film well, you were tell- you told me about uh, Rambo. Yes, Rambo: First Blood, starring Sylvester Stallone, um, was originally a lot longer and featured a whole lot of dialogue from Rambo that, according to to Sylvester Stallone, was terrible, like absolutely terrible. And I believe Sly Stallone may have even seen a cut of that version of the film and was like, oh, no. In fact, here's the here's the rub that I didn't tell you um, mm-hmm. off mic. Mm-hmm. He and I think it was his manager attempted to buy, purchase themselves the original print and burn it so that the movie wouldn't come out. That's how bad Rambo was. Wow. And so Sylvester Stallone's instruction was to just remove, like, all of his dialogue. Any time that Rambo talks, cut it. And they did, pretty much. And, you know, now it's sort of considered an action masterpiece. And it's short. And I've not seen it. I I don't think I have. I I don't think I've seen Rambo. I'd quite like to see Rambo, especially now. I'd love to see Rambo. Um, Dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters, Mm. who I believe became the Taliban. No. Yeah. They changed that in the 90s. So that dedication is there on the original. Oh, no, maybe that's Rocky. That's Rocky. Sorry, it's the one that he wrote. I think there's Rocky 1. Um, and they had to change it later, that dedication, because they were like, whoops. Funny how patriotism works yeah. in an um, American empire sense, isn't it? Funny. One, one moment you are arming the freedom fighters and the next... You're they're f- not freedom fighters anymore. Yeah, the next Whoopsie-daisy. You're fighting... A war on terror. The freedom fighters that you armed. Our bad. America. Our collective bad. They love flags in America. We all love a flag, mate. Nah, but they love flags. We love flags so much that we tried to change ours recently. That does not. We were like, we want our own fucking flag, man. That is not a conversation you could broach in America. We were like, yeah, but that's because the American flag doesn't get confused for Canada's flag when they're next to each other in the Olympics. Something that we, my poor dear compatriots here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, suffer from constantly because our flag and the Australian flag are very close to identical. Mm. And we're both just ripping the Union Jack anyway. 
Mind if I slip in? Oh, hello, George Lazenby. Hello, I just heard you talking about Australia. Yeah, and Britain. You're too... uh, Are you a dual citizen? I live in America. Right. With a myriad of passports. Fantastic. Under a variety of names. That's so cool. What, um, What, can I ask... How that's possible and why you've done that? Well, I'm a Secret Service agent, you see. Are you? Yes. For whom? The British government. Really, though? Yes. Really? Yes. If it's Mossad, you have to tell me. It's not Mossad. Okay. But isn't it? It's it's not. Okay. 007, baby. Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. I work for her. Yeah. Majesty. Your one Bond film. Well. Yes. I made many more. Did you? Oh, you made many more. Did yes. they come out? No. Oh. Doesn't mean I didn't make them. <laughs> They're not canon, but if you want to, I can show you them on Vimeo. Um, I would love to see them, actually. What are they called? What are the titles of some of these films? Still Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh-huh. Looking out for Her Majesty. Yeah. <laughs> Looking out for Her Majesty. What's that one about? What happens in that one? Uh, she's trying to go down to the, the shops to buy a gallon of milk. She being the queen? Yes. And I have to scout the shop. Gotcha. Yeah. Just you and her, Queen Lizzie. We don't have any scenes together, but yeah. Okay. We're the protagonists. What is the duration on that one? Three hours. Far out. Yeah. Bit of a character piece? It was too long. Okay. <laughs> you know what you should do? Cut all the dialogue. There was no dialogue. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Crazy movie. Uh, what are some other Bond movies that you've made? Uh, climbing the Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Climbing the Mountain. Yes. You'll never guess what that one's about. Um, is it about you becoming a cocaine kingpin? No, no. Oh. It's about uh, climbing a mountain. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Anyway. Um... Why do I come here? <laughs> well, I actually had an idea for pornography to pitch. Yes, picture porno with me, George Lazenby. Considering that you're the world's greatest listener, yes. I, I thought you might be all ears for the sort of an. Interview. I am. First of all, I, I got to tell you just to give you a quick update as well, George. While you're here, um, we had a visitation yes. from the boner inspector, who's a guy we've told you about before. I hope it wasn't the guy I saw on the way in. Yeah. Oh, he's in bad shape. Yeah, the guy with the like business shirt that he's turned into a rip-off vest thing. Yeah, yeah. Cut off. Yeah. He's no good. You kicked him out? Um, Kicked out is a strong verb. I would say I, I, um, I thought it was appropriate that he left with the energy that he was throwing around the room. Well, that energy's on the street now. Okay, that doesn't sound much better, but sort of a dispersal of energy. He told me he was going to go and buy a chai tea. Well, good for him. Yeah. I think that might help him out. Has that got caffeine in it? Mm, No. Yeah, I don't think it does. That's that's good. Maybe that's just the ticket that he needs. Here's the idea for the porno, George. Talk to me. My friend Guy Montgomery, oh, Guy's here as well. Yeah, I am here too. Uh, Guy Montgomery and I have been discussing the concept of turning various um, properties from Andrew Lloyd Webber's back catalogue, especially his sort of uh, you know fascinations with Judeo-Christian mythology, mm-hmm. taking those stories that he has mm-hmm. written for the stage and 
pornographying them. You're going to sex up the Bible. Yes. We're going to sex up the Bible. Through the medium of song. Yes. It's going to have everything. Glitz, glamour, butts, boobs, Jesus. Cum shots. The son, the father, and the holy cum shot, brother. It's got it all. I'm going to give you $1 million, sight unseen. Huh. Now, that does sound good, but that's not actually that much money for a film, especially this film. This film's going to cost a lot to make. Development money. Oh, okay. You want to see a little more? Yeah. See some pictures? See yeah, some, yeah. Some scenes? I want to see some pictures. <laughs> you want to see some pictures? Yeah. You know what I really mean, Really right? bad. <laughs> uh, we're thinking of shooting it in Canada um, yeah. to get the tax credits. Yes. It, you know, it just seems to make a lot of, it makes Toronto? A lot of sense. Toronto? I think I'm saying that correctly. Toronto? Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to shoot there. Um, I think Ryan Reynolds is uh, signed on tentatively to produce. <laughs> That's amazing. Canadian I didn't know native. That. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you didn't know that no, guy? I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Well, sounds good. Okay, cool. So, so what do you need for this, you know, for the development stuff? Treatment. Yep. Sketches. Okay. Maybe a video of you in the shower. Okay. And uh, uh, a script. Oh, a finished script? First draft. Okay. Uh, I think we can do that for a mil. Yeah, nice yeah. one. Uh, it's going to be a long video. Oh, me in the shower? Yeah. yeah, don't worry about that. It'll be long as. Should we shake on it, George? Yeah, like 24 hours. Yep, I can do that. It's fine. No worries. Um, sick as well... I yeah, I'll go. a long time ago in business that once you seal the deal, you know, you should probably... Yeah, I'm going, bye. See ya. Oh, he's a good guy. Fuck, we're nailing it today, man. We are kicking goals. And a goal I'd like to kick is um, this podcast into the can. All right. Well, I would like to promote Guy Montgomery's upcoming national tour of New Zealand, Aotearoa God Zone, one of the only places on God's green earth where you can do a live comedy tour right now. Yeah. So off the back of his stratospheric performance on Taskmaster New Zealand, Guy Montgomery is coming to a town or community hall near you. You're not wrong, Tim. It's 19 dates. Not 20. Not crucially. 20, yeah. Devastatingly. 19 places. Everything you need to know. If you look up guymontgomery.co.nz, you'll realize I couldn't build my own website <laughs> and it will redirect you to a link tree with all of the information you need. As far north as Whangarei and as far south as Queenstown, it's happening in September and October, and I would love to see you there. So we'll see you there. Until next time, baby dolls, goodbye. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 